This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. There is a longing in each of our souls. A longing so deep that we try to satisfy it in various ways through addictions or violence, abuse or promiscuity, whatever. There is a longing in our souls that every one of us tries to satisfy. But no matter what we try, all of these ways inevitably lead to more frustration and sometimes moral failings because they never seem to satisfy the deep longings that exist within our very souls. And unless we are willing to be honest with ourselves and to go to the deep place in our souls, we will forever experience what the Bible tells us is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. A scripture that was read came from the gospel according to John. The reading was from the fourth chapter and the fourth verses through to the 26th. But allow me in this message to just lift up the 10th verse, which simply says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so today, I want to talk about the longing in our souls and to show you how Jesus speaks our real language when he chooses to meet us where we are. Let me say that again. I'm going to show you that Jesus uses and speaks our real language when he meets us right where we are. The title then for this message is quite simply, The Living Water. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, you are already here. We have felt your presence in this sanctuary. Now speak through your preacher. Speak a word now, Lord, that your children may hear from you. Speak now and let flow streams of living water. This we pray in your holy name. And the church said amen. Amen, amen and amen. Jesus lived in a world of very strict boundaries. There were very strict rules for purity that registered whatever was permitted from what was prohibited. Boundaries that restricted certain behaviors were designed to protect a person's honor and their social status. There were many rules. And there were even rules that governed how unmarried men ought to meet women. These kinds of rules protected the cultural purity of families and preserved their moral integrity. Recall, for example, when Abraham sent his servant to go to his own land to seek a wife for his son Isaac. For the truth is, you could not simply start 
talking to just any woman simply because you wanted to. Otherwise, it could lead to the possibility of some kind of unfortunate accusation. It is for that reason why pastors, particularly male pastors, whenever they're meeting with women, either has someone around in the sanctuary, a steward, or they leave the door open during consultation. For the thing you don't want is an unfortunate accusation that may or may not be true. To get a real sense of even the strict boundaries, think of a southern city like Birmingham, Alabama, back in the 1950s, where a young black man being seen with a young white woman in a restaurant at night would set off all kinds of bells and whistles and racial issues that were very known and very familiar to everyone in that society. We know that such a transgression could lead to the loss of his very life. This is a very similar kind of atmosphere that we are talking about at the time when Jesus walked. And with these kinds of boundaries, a man had to be very, very careful with how he engaged women. But there is something about Jesus when it comes to strict societal, cultural boundaries. <laughs> We're told in the text that Jesus is on his way from Judah to Galilee. And he decided to go through Samaria. Now what makes this such a big deal, church, is that Samaria was not just the, the, the shortest way to get to Galilee, right? It, it, it wasn't that it was a good path. It was the, the issue here is that it went through, the path went through a place that Jews shouldn't go. Amen. The region of Samaria was a place that was despised by the Jews. Now, in terms of a brief history, after the reign of King Solomon, the kingdom was divided into two regions, the north and the south. Now, what happened in the north was that the north, which we call was what became Samaria, was close to the, the Persian region. And what happened was you started to have the people mixing with the Jews in the north. Down south, everyone was more pure, so to speak. And over time, the people in the north began to do what? They began to take on the customs of the people they were living near. How many of you know that you, you want to know who you are? Just watch the company you keep. But the Jews in the north were spending a lot of time mixing with the Persians and the Sumerians, Samaritans. And that region became a region that was despised by the Jews. The Samaritans were a scorned and defiled people, ostracized because of their mixed race and their religion. So the bottom line is, Jews have no business mixing with Samaritans. So the text tells us Jesus is choosing to pass through this region. And he happens now to stop at a well to rest. It is the sixth hour, the text tells us. As I stated before, Jesus lived in a time where there are very strict boundaries. Rules about what you can and cannot do in the society were followed because it could lead to certain harm to you. So Jesus comes to a well. It's about noon and he meets a woman, a Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. 
Aside from the fact that numerous boundaries are, are being crossed and broken, the location of this meeting is extremely irregular, and dare I tell you, church, it is very suggestive. <laughs> Recall, for example, if you see where I'm going, Moses met his wife at a well in the Midian Desert. Abraham's servant met Rebekah, the wife of Isaac, at a well in Haran. In other words, if you want to meet with women, the place to do it was at a well. A well was the local pickup spot. Unless you be fooled into thinking that everyone was good in the society of Jesus' time and that they followed all of the rules, you need to understand a little bit more about the Bible you read. The nature of the people then is the same as the nature of people today. And if there are rules then, there are, and there are rules now, surely people will find a way to break them. On, and in regular speaking terms, the well was an ideal place. Let me talk to adults for people looking to have a good time. Come on, preacher. Make it plain. The motif of the meeting between Jesus and this Samaritan woman at the well is so prominent that some scholars actually suggest that there is more going on in this story than meets the eye, and I agree. It is situations like this that make it very hard for Jews to identify Jesus as the Messiah because according to the Jews, there is absolutely no way that Jesus would have broken these kinds of societal rules if he was in fact the Messiah. You see, there is no way that Messiah would mingle with a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. No way Messiah would do that. There is no way that Messiah would even touch a dead body. No way that Messiah would disrespect the Sabbath. No way. All of these rules are the reasons why a lot of Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah because when Messiah comes, he wouldn't be doing the things that you ought not to do. Such, such was the society and so strict were the boundaries. Mm -hmm. But he did cross the boundaries. Mm. If Jesus is at a well with a woman, yeah. it is a betrothal scene or a marriage courtship, and it has heavy sexual implications. And no way would Messiah be caught up in such a scandal. Mm. Beloved, what I am telling you is that the text seems to be implying that Jesus was looking for a wife. Well, mm. Shaking some theological boundaries now. The text, the way it's read and written, a lot of people read it who understand the culture of the day would walk away saying Jesus is looking for a wife. So let's talk a little bit about the encounter because there's more here. The woman meets Jesus at the well at noon. Women normally drew water at sunrise or dusk when it is not so hot. So right away we know that she's a woman that is scorned, trying to avoid people in society because she is a nothing, a nobody. She's a person of ill repute. Her reputation precedes her and she would not be caught dead at the women's missionary meeting because she wasn't right. So she'll wait until it's done to go get her communion. If you understand what I'm saying, she is coming at a time where no one would be willing to acknowledge her and she can avoid people. That's number one. Number two, Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? For the text says, parenthetically, his disciples had gone to the town to buy food. Jesus 
the one who fed 5,000 on the hillside of a, by the Sea of Galilee with a few loaves and a few fish. Jesus, the one who fed the 4,000 shortly thereafter, the one who we know is the provider of all good gifts, the one who is doing all of these miracles, is hungry and thirsty, so much so. And what does he do? He says to his disciples, y'all go to town for a minute. I need, your, I need a little privacy. Jesus is meeting a woman at a well and sends his disciples to go to town. It's close the door, Johnny. Jesus sends them into town so he could have some private time with a woman in Samaria at a well. The woman then says to Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew is going to ask me for a drink? Y'all see what's happening here? You being a Jew, how are you going to ask me for a drink? In other words, you sure you want to be doing this, Jesus? Because, you know, you, 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 you're treading on some deadly cultural boundaries here. Because you must know that Jews don't mingle, or let me put it in colloquial terms, Jews don't have entanglements with Samaritans. <laughs> they don't have entanglements with Samaritans. She's trying to say and trying to figure out in a savvy way, Jesus, what are you really up to right now? But notice also that Jesus is not being a gentleman here at all. He didn't say, let me draw some water for you. He didn't say that at all, which would be the right thing to do. Would you all agree? Amen. For Jesus to say to the woman, let me draw some water for you. The same one who is used to giving to others yeah. is the one that is now saying, give to me. Jesus, you've, you've flipped the script a little bit here. What, what are you up to, Jesus, sending your disciples away, meeting a Samaritan woman at a well? Are you tracking with me? Where are you going, Jesus? Because this don't look like Messiah who comes with healing in his wings. As believers, we often err on this point. We think about very often what can we do for other people as a way of trying to find a way to witness or to share the gospel. But what I'm telling you is sometimes you have to allow people to do things for you as a way of letting people in. Well. Sometimes you can't be so high and mighty that you think you bring everything and then people will be like, nah, I'm good. But maybe you can just try a different approach and say, listen, I know that you are really good at A, B, C, and D. I could use your help with my E, F, G, and H. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so sometimes the most effective way to reach people is not to give them what you have, but it is take what they've got for you. Number four, Jesus answered now and said to her, because I want you to follow the dialogue. <laughs> Jesus said to her, wait a second, lady. <laughs> if you knew who it was that was talking to you, if you knew who it was, you would have asked me for a drink, and I would have given you living water. Living water. So, so Jesus is now punted back to her. He's breaking down the first obstacle that he has when she puts up her line of defense, for she is skeptical of this Jewish man and what his real intentions are. You see, her, her thinking is, you can't think that you can mingle with me, but I might want to entangle with you. Jesus is communicating to her where she is. 
She already knows that she's a woman of ill repute, of low morals. So Jesus didn't need to harp on how bad a woman she was. She already knows, and she's already into self-condemnation. She already knows about herself. So Jesus didn't have to tell you, see, that's the kind of woman you are. But Jesus has to let her know who he is. And to do so, he's offering her something that she knows that she wants. <laughs> I don't know if y'all caught that. Jesus is offering her something that she knows that she wants. She wants living water. Again, this is an intimate and an adult discussion. We tend to think that the Bible only talks about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon this little child. The Bible deals with the real hard issues of our lives if we as preachers are courageous enough to talk about it. So, so this is an adult conversation that Jesus is having with this woman for she still believes that Jesus is propositioning her for a good time. You don't come to the well unless you want to get wet. So she's there in her mind with this Jewish man. But the living water can refer, as you all know, to naturally flowing water that comes from streams and brooks and rivers. We consider those living water because they come naturally from God. They come, they, you go by the river. When I was in Jamaica, we'd go down by the rivers and that water was cool, clear, and refreshing. That is living water because it's not man-made. It comes from God. So that kind of water, we consider it living water. But they were at a well, which is man-made water. And the woman lets us know that the well was deep and there was no such living water for or, or God water around. So, so the idea is they really weren't talking about any other kind of living water, if you're tracking with me. But she is very skillful. She is. So she switches the argument, makes it about the God kind of water. And she says, well, you know, sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water, the God water that comes from streams? And this is a deep, deep well. And oh, by the way, you don't even have a bucket. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? He and his sons and all of his cattle. You see what she's doing? She is saying, you, you are talking about a living water, but I'm kind of testing you because the kind of water you're talking about is not the kind of water I'm talking about. In other words, Jesus, who do you think? You are. If our forefathers didn't find this living water, how do you think you can find it? You don't even have a bucket. Jesus says to her, and I love the dialogue. Stay with me, church. Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks this water, this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed. <laughs> The water I give will become in him a spring of water swelling up, welling up to eternal life. Jesus is saying, woman, I'm not talking about the God kind of water. 
I'm not talking about that kind of water. I'm talking about the kind of water that will never make you want any more water again. Folks, Jesus is testing her in her own language. He's bringing it back to what she really is thinking and talking about. The kind of living water, the other kind of living water, and he is willing to raise the hard questions to move her from the place where she is to a place of life and hope. So, church people, let me make it plain. She's literally getting turned on. And we know this. Because this is what she then says. Sir, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to, come keep, and have to keep coming here to draw water. See? In other words, give me what you have so that I won't have to come back here and pick up any more customers. You understand what I'm telling you, church? Give me what you've got, mister, so that I don't have to keep coming here trying to pick up someone for my next payday. I am tired, and I don't want to keep doing this or living like this anymore. Said another way, Jesus meets you where you are, church. Said another way, in the mind of this woman, she says, Jesus, are you asking me to marry you? That's what the woman is now hearing. Jesus, you want to marry me? Are you, are you serious? Because Jews don't have entanglements with Samaritans and you've got this living water. You want to marry me? Of all the places and of all the things that I have done in my life, you find something about me worthy? You see, any, you see a little good in me after all that has happened to me in my life, even the way I make my living? You want to marry me? Jesus has hit the bullseye. And that's why I love Jesus, because he doesn't play. And he understands people in a way that we need to learn. The Samaritan woman, who by all accounts is of the lowest dregs in society, a woman longing for validation, a woman who deep in her heart wants to feel loved, a woman who needs to feel a sense of belonging, is hearing Jesus offer her a chance to become legitimate. And she wants it really, really bad. And because Jesus knows what she is really thinking and what she is really longing for deep, deep, deep in her soul. He proves what I am saying by what he says next. Church, I've been preaching in this church for a long time. I've told you many, many occasions. If you really want to know what Jesus is up to or what he means, look at what Jesus says next. So I'm telling you, this woman is saying, you really want to marry me? Is that what, really what you want? And I prove it by what Jesus says next. Jesus then says, go call your husband. Go call your husband and come back. Why on earth? Where did that come from in the story? Out of nowhere, go call your husband? Why would he tell her to go? You, lady, you, want, you, you, you think I'm asking you to marry me, so I'm going to prove to you I know what you're talking about. Go call your husband. And it is a moment where she has to make a decision. It is a moment when you call people out in where they are, they have to make a decision about whether or not they're going to be honest, 
and truthful or they're going to keep on living the lie. It was a moment of decision. So she confesses immediately, I have no husband. And in other words, I want you, Jesus. I have no husband. And this is where Jesus now does his best work. Jesus said to her, you are right that you have no husband. As a matter of fact, you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. So what you have said is quite true. Did you see that? That might be a little hurtful to say to somebody. Amen. But what he did was he called it out. But he didn't condemn. He said, listen, what you have said was the truth. And it came back. You said it quite true. In other words, I didn't make this up. You are telling me the truth. Whenever you are confronted with your own issue, tell the truth. Amen. Whenever you are facing difficulties and you need to move to the next level in your faith, tell the truth. For it is only the truth that shall make you free. Jesus has rewarded her honesty. But by exposing what he knows about her, he has probed into the very place of her soul where she defines herself. I am a loser. I am promiscuous. I am nothing. He's gone to the deep, dark place in her soul. And she's now starting to recognize who Jesus is and wants to talk about what's really in her heart. Look where she takes the argument. Sir, look where she goes after being exposed. Look at the first thing the woman says after being exposed. I tell you, I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. The woman says, sir, <laughs> sir, I can see that you are a prophet. I can see that you are a man of God. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. In other words, this woman, as broken as she was, all she really wanted to do was to be able to be free enough to worship God. And whenever you go to the place where your pain resides and you let a little bit of the light of life shine into it, what it opens up in your soul is the desire to worship God because you become so grateful for what he has done for you. So the first thing, yes, I'm ashamed. Yes, I've done some bad things. I acknowledge it. And now that I'm free, I'm free to worship. But you Jews tell us that we can't worship anywhere. You tell us that we got to go all the way to Jerusalem where you don't want me anyway. I can't go to Jerusalem because I'm a Samaritan woman, but I want to worship God. You're telling me I can't worship God because of A, B, C, and D. And Jesus now declares, believe me, woman, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither here nor there. You Samaritans, y'all don't really know who you're worshiping, but we know who we're worshiping because, because the truth of the matter is, Salvation is from the Jews. But, but I tell you, a time is coming. And it's right now. Here it is. A time is coming when the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. For such the Father seeks to worship him. You can pretend and wear your fancy robes and follow all the cultural norms you want. But if in your heart you really love the Lord and if you really want to worship God, if you really want to get to the deep, dark place in your soul where you don't need to keep coming back and forth with your addictions, 
the time is coming and now is when the true worshipers the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth when <laughs> the whole point of the text is about the hidden need of a woman that the society and the circumstances of her life would not have allowed to have become uncovered. Many of us, especially in this patriarchal society, have suppressed in many ways the, the, the ability of women to be able to show us the grandeur and the beauty and the majesty of what God created. When, 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 when Adam saw Eve for the very first time, Adam went, good God. This is bone of my bone? Flesh of my flesh? Oh, she shall be called woo, man. Y'all didn't know that that's where it came from, right? Y'all thought it was woman. It was woo, man, oh man. Y'all need to understand that when God had made everything and declared it good. He looked around, Eve, and he goes, yeah, I did good. But because I'm God and I am good, I can outgood my goodness. So I'm going to outgood my goodness and I'm going to do something that's going to become the crescendo of creation. Something that everybody's going to go, woo, man. And he created woman. When you are trapped in the lifestyle that you have fallen into, whether of your own choosing or the circumstances to which you were born into, it does not have to define you. Perhaps you feel like the whole world would Never accept a person like you simply because you were adopted or don't know who your parents were or, or you've been the victim of some unfortunate tragedy. You had some moral failings in your life that has somehow compromised your integrity by society standards. Maybe you are unable to have a child or you lost a child naturally or otherwise cheated on your taxes. I can go down and down. Whatever it is that is trapping you into feeling like you are nothing whatever you think your moral failings are and I ain't telling you what they are because I don't know but whatever you think your moral failings are I am not your judge not me I am not your judge but I'm here to offer you the opportunity to meet Jesus at the well of your despair at the well of your despair, I'm offering you the opportunity to meet Jesus. The places in your soul where you feel you have no other hope. For people who are struggling with suicide and suicidal ideation, let Jesus come to your well. Let him come right there and watch him give you streams of living water. The places in your soul where you feel you have no hope. Jesus has a way of masterfully reaching the people to whom he shared. And if you don't believe me, biblically, 
To the woman at the well, he spoke of living water. To, 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 to aging Nicodemus, he talked about being born again. Y'all didn't know that Nicodemus was worried because he was old. So Jesus says, you must be born again. To the blind man, he identified himself as what? The light of the world. To sisters grieving the death of their brother Lazarus, he said what? I am the resurrection and the life. And, 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 and one of my favorites, to fishermen, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus meets you where you are. He speaks the language of your suffering. And if that were not enough, that were not enough. He said, in this life, you will have suffering. But I have overcome the world. And so I go to this place called Calvary. And because death is such a problem for all of us, in my goodness, I'm going to mount that cross. And I'm going to say, death, give me your best shot. Give me your best shot. And when they pierced his hands, and they pierced his feet, and they pierced his side, we all know when he gave up, just before he gave up the ghost, he said, Tetelestai. Right, Nadia? For it is finished. And three days later, we all know the story. He rose again from the grave. And I can sing, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Every one of us have a well. Every one of us has a place deep, locked away deep in our souls where we don't tell anyone the pain, we don't share with anyone the grief, we're too embarrassed to speak to even the pastor because you think they may, he may look at you a different way. But brothers and sisters, Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. So, if you find today that you are afraid to go to the well at dusk or dawn because you don't want to be seen, so you go to your addiction or your issue at noon, let Jesus meet you there. Invite him there, in that place, whether you're saved or not, invite him into that place even right now as you think about the pain of where you have been, right now in this moment, the Spirit of God is here. Invite Him now into the place of your deepest, darkest pain. The place where you will not tell anyone. You don't have to tell me, but tell Him. Tell Him. And I'm telling you the same opportunity that he offered the woman at the well to drink from this water from which there will be streams of living water where you will thirst no more. Let Jesus come and propose to you and marry you today. Let us pray.
Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we've offered you our worship today. And on that mountain you said the time will come and now is when the true worshipers will worship you in spirit and in truth. There are those that are among us right now in the sanctuary and those who are watching online. Who even right now, Lord, you have through the power of your Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance a memory that has kept them at the well at noon long enough. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus Christ. Reveal yourself to them now in that memory and let them feel the pain of that memory, but let them see you where you are. Speak now, Lord, to them. While I keep quiet, speak into that memory, for we want people to be set free today. Speak, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Like the woman at the well. I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking. 